Welcome to Oz Rock Rated, the podcast that takes Australian rock bands, catalogues and ranks them in order, worst to best, according to us. I'm Ben, and with me is Sam. G'day, everybody. This is Oz Rock Rated. Yes, hello, and happy new year to all our listeners, both loyal and new. Ben here, and... Hello, I'm Sam. Here he is. We're back. <laughs> new Year's Day. This is actually New Year's Day we're recording this, so when or you might be listening to it on New Year's Day, depends on when we get it out and when you choose to listen to it, but welcome everybody. 2024, yeah. year of ORR. Yeah, we get, we've, we've uh, we hit, we hit the ground running. We're going to make this our year. And the Canberra Raiders. With your help. It'll yeah. be a... It'll be a, what are, oh. what's our goal, 30 ep- episodes, 40, 50? Well, depends. And, and the premiership. We've got a little bit of news, haven't we? A little bit of news about how we're going to reformat the well, show. Well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, well not, not really. for every episode. But yeah, for, for this one today, we're going to be, I'll be ranking and Sam will be chiming in. Yeah. Colour style. Because this band that we're doing today. Tubby Taylor style. Yeah. yeah. I'm the colour man. <laughs> The, the hype man. <laughs> it is, and it's because you're not full bottle on this band. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So just to let you let you in on what we decided, I rang Ben this morning and I said, let's really put the foot to the floor with Ozrock Raider this year. And um, But the only thing was holding us back was that one of us, usually me, hadn't done all of the research and hadn't listened to 13 albums in two days and created an informed well decision about what my <laughs> rankings were going to be and so i said well it's more like six albums in six months but that's beside the point isn't it yeah 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 but geez you got things on yeah it's an yeah, arduous, it. ta- it's it an arduous task until we start admit. making this our uh, our full-time job and not all of us get to listen to the 13 albums on our posty bikes all day well speaking of speaking of that if you can um I don't know what you do. What do you do with podcasts? Do you just subscribe or do you just like or you review? I think yeah, you can no, do all of those things. You subscribe and you can let your friends know about it and you can give us five-star ratings and all that sort of good that stuff. That all helps, doesn't it? So, it does. yeah, if you can do that, we will be most appreciative so that we can quit our jobs. And <laughs> Make it our full-time jobs. Just listen to Australian music all day. Anyway, so back to it. And so I said, well, why don't you just make it so if one of us is in full bottle on the on the band's catalogue. That's a West Australian term, by the way. I've, I've only just come to terms with it myself. Oh, yeah. full whack? Full bottle. Full. <laughs> they what? say it over here, if you know a lot about something, you're full oh, bottle. You're full bottle. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of these ones I'm only half bottle. So I thought, well, Ben, you're full bottle on this particular band that we're doing today. So oh, why am I what? Why don't we make it that... I'm like the the blind listener almost, and like you're the one that's telling me. You know how when you go to a party and someone goes, "Hey, mate, mate, have you listened to the butterfly effect?" Nah, nah, come here, mate. We'll put it on the stereo, mate. You'll love them. I swear to God. And you're like, ah, geez, I just want to sit here and have a yarn. I don't want to listen to butterfly, but you know, you kind of feel like you have to. You're obliged. But so now I'm I'm that guy on the receiving end of it, but I'm gonna love it. I'm not gonna you know regret my life choices. Having to listen to someone trying to convince me about their favourite band. You, you you love this band. We all love this band. But before we get underway, we wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land that this podcast is recorded on. The Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation and their elders past and present. We acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city and this region. And 
I should also mention that we had a couple of very sad losses, one of which I can't remember, but one that sticks with me. Uh, rather, uh, it's very sad when this happened in September. Uh, Paul Wosin from the Screaming Jets passed away. What I think was suddenly. Yeah, even though he was unexpected, but he yeah, he was a hard living man. Lived on the edge, didn't he? But one of my favourite bands from back when I, when all I cared about was music, um, the Screaming Jets, of course, the bass player and I think chief songwriter. Yeah, also a fantastic harmony singer. One of the best harmony singers. You met him once, didn't you? Didn't you have a beer with him a couple of times? Well, me and my mates went to see them at the Bathurst Leagues Club when it was still called Penguins. Ooh. Back in, oh, God, I don't know, maybe 93, 94. Yeah, well, pre. Yeah. And pre we got. 2000s. We, we had no money, so we stayed at the caravan park. You the big one out of town with the big gold panner? Yeah. <laughs> we stayed out there. <laughs> what it was, it was called the gold panner. I think it was, yeah. It was called the gold panner, wasn't it? And it was the middle of summer and it fucking stunk and. and <laughs> Oh, it was so hot and there was no air con. And I think we walked into town because we didn't have enough cash. For, we hadn't, we, we had no, didn't have enough for, for beer and a taxi. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we got there really early because we were so excited. And um, we're just sitting in the front bar downstairs, if anyone knows the old Penguins Club downstairs, and we're just having a beer. And then we just look over a couple of tables and there's Paul sitting by himself. And I, I thought, fuck, what do we do? And all the boys are going, oh, oh, shit, go and say hello, go and say hello. And I plucked up every ounce of courage I had and went and said g'day and um, told him, you know, we were here to see the the show later on that night. And he, he could not have been nicer. He came over and we had a few beers with him and he was telling us some road stories and it was just unreal to be sitting there with a bloke that you idolised. And then later on that at the gig, we're all <laughs> very, very <laughs> wounded by the, step, by the time they got on. But we were right up the front because we got there so early. And um, Paul threw, I remember Paul was throwing guitar picks or bass picks into the crowd. And, and he threw one at me and it hit me in the face. <laughs> and I... And bounced onto the floor and I looked around, couldn't find it. And he ended up just pushing one into my hand and said, don't fucking drop it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I wish I knew where it was. I've got a feeling that BJ Bryant might have it. But I know he got one too, so I don't know. I still don't know where that pick went. I might have lost it on the walk home. Well, knows? we can we can get in touch with BJ. He's in WA now. Oh, I yeah, think him and, his brother, him and his brother Kurt. Kurt's yeah. uh, part of the security detail for the for the. Oh, no, you can't say that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, giving away can. national oh, secrets. Yeah, he, he might be. Uh, he might be in Asia. No, no, he, he doesn't, doesn't care. It's just security detail. Yeah. Anyway, that was a. That was. I'll never forget when, that when, night. When, when, when was he born? Who? Paul. Oh, I don't know. In the sixties, uh, I think he was reasonably. Yeah, so I was going to say he's probably only about in his thirties when you met him. So he's only would have only been a young kind of guy, and they weren't mega, mega, mega stars if oh. they were playing at Penguins. So. No, it was packed though. I remember it was heaving that joint. It was a proper rock show yeah. and loud. Holy! Yeah, I saw them. Well, he's fifty-six when he died. So when's oh, it? Yeah. geez, he's only pretty young. Yeah. Wow. So he's only about probably a few years older than you then. Yeah. When you met well, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what. I, yeah, I don't know. I always thought, man, if he can do it, then I can. Oh shit! Sorry. I'm... Gee, that's nice when you meet <laughs> when you meet. Your heroes and their good fellas. That's oh, a, he was such a nice It's the absolute best thing because it's a crapshoot, really, isn't it? You never know. But then 
when we supported. Uh, remember how nice they were to us when we supported them at the um, X Services Club in Orange that night, and then yeah. the roadies were fucking absolute <laughs> pieces of shit. And I've since read stories that their roadies have done that to every single band that have ever supported them. Oh. Yeah, we we didn't help back up for the listeners at home and practically got chased down the hallway after we ran away. Anyway, that's another story. Were they under instructions, those roadies, do you think? Like oh, good, no, good cop, bad cop? No, you know what roadies are like. We've oh, got enough yeah. experience now to know what road crew and sound guys are like and they tend to get a little bit officious at times. Mm. But the the boys in the band were nothing but nice to us, I must I must say. Vale, is that how you say it? I think so, Vale. Paul Wosin. Uh, anyway, on to today's band, the mighty Front End Loader. Yes. And a lot of people might not know Front End Loader, but we're here to introduce them to well, you. They're fairly prolific, aren't they? What have they been going for probably 30-odd years? And uh, and we thought when we did our Fives episode, it was probably one of the w- most well-received episodes that we did. And not like you can't say that the Fives are, you know, megastars or, you know, internationally known like, no. like say your silver chairs or your cold chisels. No, not and at all. And this is kind of along the similar a similar sort of vein, isn't it? Well, they're con- contemporaries of the foes. Yes, the loader um, <laughs> formed in 1991, Jeez. December 91, in Darlington, which is in a West Sydney around the Newtown area. If you know um, that part of the world, Darlington, not Darlinghurst, not Darlinghurst, Darlington. It's a really small little tiny suburb. It's kind of jammed in between Camperdown and Strawberry Hills, which is another tiny little suburb, but there's lots of little villages around that area. Beautiful part of the world. I love it in there. Lots going on music wise then and still, I think. Well, yeah, not so much now because they've put all the pokies in but gentrified it yeah and it's very expensive now yeah it used to be the it used to be a very cheap place to live there was lots of little share houses and stuff around there i spent quite a bit of time around there in the 90s which is probably why i love these guys so much but um formed by uh bo campbell bowden campbell his full name and davis claymore who were both in a band called idlevice in the early 90s the late 80s early 90s and they broke up and were without a band, so to speak, with a pocket full of songs. And they happened uh, happened upon a bass player and a drummer, uh, the bass player Richard Corey and the drummer Peter Kostic. Is it Kostic or Kostic? I think it's Kostic. We'll go with Kostic. It has to be. Yeah. Uh, And they were from Perth, another Perth link. Yeah. Uh, And they were in a band called the Kryptonics before they moved over to Sydney to seek their fortune and fame. Do you know the Kryptonics? No. We played down in Frio the other night with a band. Remember the band that was on before us? Well, they, he, they were playing covers and it had a guy out of the... Um, what was he out of, that guy? That oh, was kind of like a super group. Yeah. Uh, Greg Hitchcock. Yes. Yeah, well, he was in the Kryptonics. I'm just reading here that the Kryptonics had a drummer called Shakir Pitch. You know him? Pitch, I do. There you go. He's brother's-in-law of a mate of mine, Charlie. Hello, Charlie, if you're listening. Well, Russ Hopkinson was in um, the Kryptonics as well. Um, who else? There's quite a quite a lineup of, of comings and goings, but I think the main guy was Michael Reynolds and Ian Underwood. Right. Yeah. yeah they're not, I've heard they're those very, names as well. Yeah, well, they formed at Balcata Senior High School, so yeah. bloody hell. Geez, Perth's just the hub, isn't it? It just goes to show. That everything good comes out of Perth. Comes out of Perth. 
Anyway, they they joined up together and um and then in nineteen early nineteen ninety two, I think it was, recorded their first album, got a slot on the Sydney Big Day Out, and uh, away they went. Bless them. Anyway, That's how you did it back then, wasn't it? Oh yeah, exactly. You you just rehearsed your ass off, played all of the shitholes around Sydney like the Iron Duke and the the Annandale and the the front end loader were were just uh omnipresent around this time. Um around the time I was spending a lot of time in Sydney, they were just everywhere. You could go out pretty much any night and go and see them at the Lansdowne or the Sandringham or the Annandale, or the uh, the Iron Duke. I think they played it. I can't remember. I used to see them a lot anyway. And just a f- fearless, ferocious live band. And just crazy good at what they did. I remember every time I saw them, I thought, how, I don't even, how do you even get that good at what you do? They were re- really, really good musicians. Right. See, I was a few years behind you, yeah. so I missed them. I missed them. And that's why, that what led what, what's, that's what led to the phone call today saying, look, I'm not full bottle. So yeah. you take the take the reins. Well, shall we get into it? Let's go. So you, you've ranked them? I've ranked them. So what are we doing? Because you mentioned something about them having EPs and mini albums. Yeah, so they've got six official studio albums. Yep. Over This is spanning from 1993 to 2018 was so their last release, so a long time. 32 years. Is that right? Is that right? 1990, yeah, 32 years they've been going for. Oh, oh, since yeah, they released their first album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then they've got, there's an EP, or two EPs, which have both got six songs on them. And then there's a, uh, a what they call a mini album, which has got seven songs, which is a bit silly. Right. But I thought we'd include those because two of those EPs, or one one EP and one mini album, anyway, we'll get into that later, but I, I had to include them, I couldn't leave them out. And they didn't do what I would do and include the EP on the album? Uh, like say, hey, we've got a new album coming out And it's the EP plus three new filler songs No <laughs> Okay, good Right, but, so but they're their own thing Yeah, and oh, good. there's yeah. a live album from 2008 Which I, I'm not going to rank But I strongly suggest that you go out and get Because it is fantastic It's called Laughing With Knives You can still get it And that was recorded Oh, it's on Spotify I'm just having a look here Yeah, it it is on Spotify You can get the physical copy as well Um, But it was recorded in 2008 At the Annandale Hotel One of the last There was one of their spiritual homes, I suppose Is the Um, Annandale still going? Yeah, but very Like they put pokies in there And it just sort of died in the arse It was one of those very sad um, situations One of the iconic pubs in inner west Sydney Went down the tubes because of the evil poker machines but yeah it was recorded by magoo ah. uh, in 2008 sounds unbelievable um great songs on there and then you get a bonus if you get the physical copy or oh, i think on spotify as well you get all of their b-sides from the singles ah. yeah which are great i own all of the singles of course you do i'm full bottle uh, okay so yeah six albums well, let's call it three eps okay. and, but we're not doing the live albums, so it's nine to all together right so Beautiful. number nine here we go. Should we play a song first or should we just have a little bit of a talk about it? Let's well, play no. a song. Okay, so let's play a song off number nine so that people can think, can can try to work out what album Ben's got number nine. <laughs> Go 
That's decisions, decisions, decisions off Retardando, which was my number nine ranked ranked album. Right. Uh, this is recorded in 2011. Uh, their last, well, oh no, not their last album, sorry. Their second last album to date. They're still going, by the way. They haven't finished as far as I'm aware. Um, but this album won the best hard rock or heavy metal album at the ARIA Awards in 2011. Right. Which was a kind of a curious decision for all concerned, not least the band, who uh, had missed out on ARIAs multiple times in the past for much what I would consider better albums and much more popular albums. And they sent Lindsay McDougall from Frenzel Rom, uh, who some of you might know. What is he on Triple J? The Doctor? The Doctor, I think. Yeah, they sent him along to accept the award in case they won. And um, they won, of course. And then he he said a, something, a really funny speech. Hang on, let me see if I can find it here. He said, uh, the band indicated they couldn't afford to attend. That's right. Um, they... They they thank thank their friends and fans and families and then address the local music industry and I quote as you were please carry on we mean you no harm we'll continue to write rock music that we enjoy play shows when and where we can and record and release this music as our time money and circumstances permit none of these activities concern you so please move along and let us never speak of this again <laughs> <laughs> and then they didn't air it <laughs> Channel Nine decided it was too controversial. So they won Best Hard Rock Aria and didn't even air the speech, just glossed over it. Well, yeah, because because Lindsay yeah. was being a bit um, yeah. cheeky. And the, and well, I think we all know that awards people haven't got much of a sense of humour. Yeah, that as, kind of would have meant something back in 2011, though, wouldn't it? Well, no, I think it meant more in the 90s when they were, you know, oh, when they were on yeah. their trajectory. And by 2011, the whole front end loader, like pretty much for fans only, really, and it didn't really mean much to them. And they'd, they'd kicked up stinks before, which we'll get to a bit later. So it was kind of all a bit amusing for them. They've, they've never been friends of the industry, put it that way. Right. But yeah, this album, I just, uh, being a long-time fan, I mean, I still like it. I love that Decision song, um, just because of the riffs and the, and the weird sort of time signatures and things like that. Um, it's, a, it's a very... I don't know how to how to put it. I would have liked to put it higher because some really good songs on here, but it just kind of doesn't have the inspiration that the old ones did. Right. What did you think of it? Well, that song there that was this is the first I'm hearing it, and it's a bold decision. Well, decision. It's a bold <laughs> bold move, fitting decisions, decisions, decisions <laughs> into a song. Like I, I can barely even say it. And it seemed like they got around that okay. But is this indicative of what they're like? Like for the casual listener, if you put this on, obviously this is your lowest rank album, so you wouldn't say, okay, you listen to this man, uh, this will get you into them. Oh, no, definitely not. Right. Oh, although it is, in a it way. It is. It's still them, right? It's not yeah. like they went out on a completely different limb and did something completely different. No, not at all. Right. And, and this album is wildly... Like I've got, got a wide wide variety of styles on it, just like all of their albums pretty much, apart from oh, maybe one or two. Um, but by this stage, they were very much independent. They weren't looking for yeah. any hits or anything like that. I mean, they've always been fiercely independent, as far as I can tell. 
But I think there was a bit of pressure in the early mid nineties to, you know, have a hit, get it on the radio, get famous. Yeah, similar to the Foves when we were talking about that. And yeah. if you've seen that documentary about how all the pressure that was on them, because this is back in the day when people were signed exactly. to albums, uh, to record labels, and they had to actually make money for the record labels. And so the ship had kind of passed a little bit by them winning an Aria in 2011 yeah. when they could have used it 10 years earlier. Exactly. Is that a good synopsis? Yeah, but the, to me, they've always, they've always had the, the, I mean, they're, absolutely unique like most bands that we talk about on well pretty much all of them i suppose that we talk about on oz rock rated that nobody sounds like them and nobody ever will i don't think they've got very much got their own style they've got a a huge melodic streak in them which i think comes from Bo, who's one of the guitar players and one of the singers they have two guitar players and two singers and they'll often trade ah so who was singing that then that was Bo. Right. Yeah. So he's got a pretty distinctive voice. Very distinctive. But so is Davis. Davis is, but Davis is more of a shouter. Right. So Bo's we'll more to of one. a singer. Okay. So we'll get into that later where we yeah. can listen to one with Davis and one with Bowden. Yes, definitely. And sometimes they'll trade in the middle of the songs. And I often wonder if it's like a Lennon-McCartney type situation where whoever sing, sang, sings it is the you know main writer but they don't really list any writers or anything like that they're very much a collective right um but let's have a listen to bring it on for their more melodic side That's very much indicative of um, later period front end loader. Right. Big harmonies. Yeah. Big riffs. Crunchy guitars. And Davis Davis sings one line in the in the verse there. You can't really tell in that one. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, yeah, trading off. But yeah, this is a this is a good album. But it just with so many other good ones, like I always say, like we always say, hmm. it's hard to fit them in. But actually, I just I'm just realized i've made a mistake it's not my last <laughs> it's, not your what? it's not my last ranked it's my second last i switched them at the last minute oh, well, i no. put my arrows but it doesn't matter they're doesn't on the matter. same level yeah. uh yeah and this one's got really good cover art too yeah it's, i love that picture it yeah it's got a big bulgy poppy out eye on the cover well i think pete pete costich drew it because he did most of their artwork oh gee see bloody yeah. hell i love this stuff yeah. All these self-contained bands that just take it upon themselves to assign 
jobs. Well, he's quite the famous artist. When I'm sure we'll talk about him more a bit later. Um, Pete, he did a lot of their early. If you buy their physical albums, there's a lot of little cartoons. He had a uh, a character called. Oh shit! I can't think of his name, but he had like a running cartoon character that they used to draw. Oh. Good Time Jimmy, I think his name was. Oh. Yeah. Like Iron Maiden have got Eddie. Yeah. They've got Good Time Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Really good <laughs> artist is Pete, amongst other things. I'm sure you've got a bit to say on Pete a bit yeah. later on. But yeah, that's number that's number eight, I should say. My number nine is Fresh Six, which is the um, the EP released in 2012, so just after, um, just after Retardando. And I think it was just some leftovers, but it was brought out in conjunction with a beer that Young Henry's a famous brewer oh. in Newtown, or they were just starting back at this stage, but these days are kind of a big deal. Uh, Young Henry's was started in Newtown and I think were friends with the band because they'd been around that area for so long. Everybody knows everybody there. And um, they brought out a beer... I can't remember what it was called and there's not much info about it on the internet, but... Um, the this EP Fresh Six I think was released in conjunction with it and it's kind of got a you know a bit of a beer um, like Fresh Six Fresh Six Six Pack very right. clever anyway there's only thirty second snippets of it on Spotify so you'd have to buy that one for yourself if you want to give it a listen and it's um I've got it at home and to be honest I've listened to it maybe three times it didn't grab me well it's around the same same time so 2012. <clears throat> 2011, so 11 and 12 weren't your favourite front-end loader years. Oh, no. Oh, well, yeah, but no. I mean, by this stage, they're pretty sporadic. Like, I think the the album they released before this one was quite a while before it, and I'd, you know, not not moved on to other bands. I'll always love them. But yeah, 2002. So there was a nine-year gap between, you know, just in the wilderness because they all got jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we, And Pete started playing with Regurgitator. And the hard-ons. And the hard-ons, didn't yeah. he? So his time was divided between three bands. But so. I don't think that mattered. I think Pete's <clears throat> priority was always front and loader. Right. But I know Bo... Oh, I can't remember yeah, well, where they're they all, all They're always a band I associate Pete with, is front and loader. Oh, yeah. Definitely, and but they all got jobs. They all had to work to live in Sydney because yeah, you, well, by the two thousands you couldn't afford to live there just being a struggling musician anymore. So Pete works at the drum shop for yeah. anyone. He still works at does he? Yeah, he doesn't work at Billy Hyde's anymore because I don't even know if Billy Hyde's. But first time I met Pete was at Billy Hyde's in Surrey Hills. But it wasn't for anyone. For anyone who knows, Billy Hyde's in Surrey Hills used to be upstairs. You used to have to walk up this shitty little staircase and then in their wisdom they moved out of the top and then moved down to the bottom for some reason and it used to be a car park or something but anyway it was kind of the beginning of the end of of that and that's when I met Pete he was working there like behind the counter (laughs) and I just walked in there one day I was like and I recognize him he's pretty recognizable guy with the blonde hair and all that and I think I yeah I said hi to him because I think at that time I was working at Billy Ides here in Perth so oh, I was yeah. his, I was his Perth counterpart. I think I spoke to him on the phone once when yeah. I worked at Billy Hyde. Well, as far and I'll check this, but I'm, as far as I know, he works at a drum shop out in Parramatta now. Oh, so he might have moved out to the Burbs and. Well, they're all very, they're all very smart guys, and I think 
yeah. I can't. I think Richard, it might be, works at the ABC in the archives, or maybe that's Bowden. I don't know. And anyway, they're all like they're all quite clever fellas, and I think they've all got sort of good paying jobs now, and they've all got families. Yeah, the kind of the band got put on the back burner, but more about that. Right. A bit later. Okay, so we're going to play anything off Fresh Six? No, nah, because there's only no. 30 second snippets and they're not, they're oh, not really? the best. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I don't know why they didn't put it up there, but this is the last two, Retardando and Fresh Six, are both on their own label, Weeping Anus <laughs> Records. <laughs> <laughs> when did they don't, come up with Weeping Anus? Don't, oh. don't Google that, by the way. No, don't. Mm. Don't go there. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. so, so that's two out of the way. Yeah, number seven. Now this is, this might be controversial. I know there's going to be some. There's some pretty hardcore front end loader fans around. If you go to their Facebook group, um, you'll see there's a lot of guys that that live and breathe front end loader, and they travel around, follow them around, go to every gig, you know, hang on the next release, and they're all quite friendly guys. So they, you know, I think they all know a lot of their hardcore fans personally, but I know this one might upset a few people, and I apologise in advance. Don't at, don't, don't at Ben. Me. No, but it's Let's Ride from 1995. Right, it's their second album. Yes. Now, I'll explain why after we hear a track off this. Let's play. There is no cure. You like it? What Me I, too. I love it. Okay, first impressions now. Let's get into a little bit of this. So I like that their sound hasn't changed really from, what's that, 1993? sorry. So 1995 to 2011, like the sonic, sonically they haven't really changed. It's not like they, they got to 2011 and went and someone's gone, okay, hey boys, you got to smoothen up your sound a little. Oh, no. Um, it still kind of sounds the same. Yeah. Sounds like. Real fucking loud amps <laughs> in a room, and Pete's wound up his snare drum and hitting them hard, and they're going for it. Well, now that you mention the guitars, yeah, the, I think they've got one of the greatest guitar sounds in rock and roll history. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a fierce. Ama- it's an amazing guitar sound, and as far as I can tell, I've only ever seen them. Oh, actually, once I saw Bo with a white something. I can't remember what it was. It might have been Les Paul, but anyway, apart from that. Bo plays a, I think it might be a late 70s or early 80s Gibson SG. Ah. And Davis, I've never seen him with anything but a Sunburst Les Paul Jr., like just a cheap. Yeah. Um, And it's it's always got different pickups in it. It's got stickers and shit all over it. It's just a big beat up piece of rock and roll history. It's got a big sticker in the middle of the pickups. But those two guitars through two Marshalls, and you always see them with the same heads. They... Uh, I've never really seen them with backline amps or anything like that. They own their own Marshall heads, 
And Bo's uh, cabinet in particular is beat to shit. <laughs> like it's been around Australia 400 times, which it probably has. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what that sounds like. Yeah. It's just the... the it sounds like an SG into a Marshall crank, yeah. cranked to shit with a bit of a room mic on it and a close mic and off you go. And I think they use the old orange... Both of them use the old orange DS1, the Boss DS1. Oh, right. The classic old orange distortion pedal, which you can still buy for 60 bucks or something brand new. Right. It's just the bare bones rock and roll necessities, and it sounds fucking... Isn't that the way to go? Incredible. Yeah. Um, Let's have a listen to... What's next, do you reckon? Trains. Okay, I'm getting it now. Um, Davis, but but Bo's the one that goes, I'm into trains. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so I can hear the two, two singers. Yeah, there. very. Yeah. Astra- I read somewhere the other day, someone was on Twitter saying people that sing in Australian accents are cringe, as the kids say oh, these days. Really? Fuck that guy. Australian <laughs> accents are the greatest when you're singing them. Maybe he's talking about happy birthday Helen guy. That was all right, too. Actually, you know what? That's now that you mentioned those Australian. guys. We played with Front End Loader and Happy Birthday Helen Guy. Um, oh, really? Things of Stone and Things Wood. Things of Stone and Wood. Yeah, we played with them at the uni in Bathurst. It was The, the lineup was Stank. <laughs> was I in Stank nah, then? You weren't in it then. <laughs> Stank, Front End Loader, Happy Birthday Helen. And it was, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. That's good. I, I really liked that. When they came on, I, I remember... All of us coolsies were standing up the back going, this is going to be fucking shit, but they were great. Yeah, they're still playing. They played at Blues at Bridgetown this year, I Did think. they? Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. They were really good. Good on you, bloody things of stone and wood. Yeah. I know they get derided a bit, don't they? Oh, well, depends by whom. Uh, now, this one I put at number seven. I, I mean, I feel terrible about doing it because it's got some fantastic songs on it. Oh, no, I hear it now. I just see listening to that, that dunk, 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 dunk. I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of not. I don't well, know. It, it's, it, well, put it, it's not <clears> something I would put it put on like, okay, I want to just have a listen to something nice. It's a little bit challenging, would it be? No, I don't think it's challenging. I just It'd don't challenging think that. For well, me, not for I mean, me anyway. Yeah, for yeah. me, it would be. Um, it's, I think this is the classic second album syndrome. You know how they say that you've got 20 years to write your first album and six months to write your second? Yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like to me. It just sounds sort of thrown together. And yeah. there's a couple of songs on here that I'll skip every time, but I won't mention them. Cause yeah, I well, it might be one of those things where the, the, these are the songs that didn't make the first album Yeah. for a reason, and then they were scrabbling to get the second album together. I get it. Yeah, but um, but there's some fantastic ones on here. Head High is one of my personal favourites, and The Bejesus is a great song as well. Now, the, the the last song is called Arnold's a Genius, 
Right. And this song is about Arnold Frollo's, who was the old station director at Triple J. Oh. Are they having a go at him? Yes. Right. Let's Very have a quick much listen. So. Yeah, have a listen to that. Now this was a a, a diss track. Yeah. Before, what was this? When did diss tracks originate? Oh well, you hear about diss tracks being between Tupac and. Oh yeah. Anyway, it was aimed Diddy, at Diddy. It was aimed at Arnold Frollo's and another guy called Barry Chapman, who were the head honchos at Triple J at the time, about their uh, seeming seeming reluctance to play front and lotus songs on triple j which in 1993 if you weren't played on triple j then forget about it yeah you didn't have a career yeah you weren't getting on the big festivals you weren't um you weren't selling many records which in in those days like it back then it used to cost seven bucks to go to see a gig and then and a cd was 30 bucks yeah it was th- yeah now so, it's a hundred bucks to go and see a gig and two dollars for a cd well free yeah most of the time people give out cds like a business card pretty much yeah That's so you had to sell records to make a living and and triple j made it possible for bands like front and later and for whatever reason <clears> they didn't do it and there was another guy called richard kingsmill around at the time but he wasn't as powerful back then but i think he had something to do with it well he just quit yeah, I know. Fuck Richard Kingsmill. Yeah, if you're listening, like Richard, fuck you. A 60-year-old in charge <laughs> of the youth network. Um, I've got a whole a whole story about Richard, but I won't go into that. But right. um, he, uh, this was probably the worst thing that Front and Loader could have done because it just they weren't playing them at this stage and it just sort of put the nail in their coffin, unfortunately. It was a bad move. But they were, you know, they were 20-something-year-old guys with a chip on their shoulder, very funny, very smart, and they thought this would be a good thing to do, but it, it just wasn't. Yeah, and probably didn't have anyone pulling him in the line, I suppose. No, exactly. Like a big manager type, like a Glenn Wheatley type saying, now boys, that's not the way to do it. No, well, and this this album was released on Shagpie, which was a very small label at the time, and really uh, distributed through Shock Records, who were quite powerful. Shock were yeah, um, shock were big, weren't yeah, they? They, and shock. they could get you on Triple J if you did the right things. But unfortunately, front end load. I'm I'm probably getting some of this wrong, but it's just just to my knowledge. And yeah. if you've got any inside info, let me know. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, right in. Um, but the other the other thing I like about this album is there's a song called Travel Travel Scrabble Death, which for the you young ones aficionados, oh, Travel would, Scrabble. Do you remember that <laughs> that that sketch? <laughs> On the young ones, remember how on the young ones, and they used to have those little interludes in between, like the yeah. like the pea and the chip and the ice skating carrot. Yeah, and I don't remember travel. Just those little though. bizarre bits. So there's a, <laughs> there's one of them, <laughs> and there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, oh, and they're yeah. riding through the desert. And one of them goes, "Hey, death, <laughs> you want a game of travel scrabble?" <laughs> and he won't answer him. And he, uh, I can't remember who's asking him, but he won't answer. <laughs> and he's going, "Death, you want a game of travel scrabble?" <laughs> And he goes, he's dead. 
<laughs> anyway, that whole song is just the big instrumental with that little snippet of dialogue in the middle of it. Oh. So yeah, it's very good. Anyway, that's number go. seven. It might it might annoy some people. Oh, and the cover art too is by uh, it's an Albert Tucker painting called The Possessed, which is in the art gallery in Canberra. I highly suggest you go and have a look at it. Yeah, Amazing a, piece of art. What is it? A boot or something in a jail cell? Or no, it's a little guy. Look, he's got one eye and he's got the like the cape up around his head. It's kind of it's Mambo esque. It's very good. Albert Tucker, famous Australian artist. Well, there you go. I learned something today. All right. All Next. right. Number six. Six. Geez, we're cracking along. Neutral Evil from 2018. Right. Their last. Their last album. Yes. Now this. Because I'm the kind of guy that buys every front end loader album as it comes out on the day of release. And this, after 2011 uh, Retardando, which is a musical term, uh, by the way. Do you know what that means? Well, it have to be ret- retard means to slow it down mm. at the end of the song where they say retard and then people go, what? <laughs> Get confused with another word. What would you say? Hey? Huh? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one was seven years in the wilderness, no front and loader, no new stuff coming out, and then this one just came out of nowhere, and I really, really liked it, and I still do. But I couldn't put it above yeah, about some of the others. other well, I love the cover art. First things first, there's a picture of a knife through a finger, like playing that game where you go... <laughs> Doesn't it make you uncomfortable? At- <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, yeah, he just got, like, he hasn't gone all the way no. through the finger, just half the way through the uh, wedding ring finger. He's Maybe just that's, it. <laughs> is that symbolic or something? I don't know, but who did that? Is that Pete? I'm pretty sure it's Pete. It's a good picture. It looks like a kind of picture that, like a, oh. that would win a competition in year 12. It makes me feel a bit crook. You know, it's not it. quite, it's not quite like you know, like unbelievable, but you know, good enough to win like a year twelve art competition, I reckon. Yeah, and that's no, that's no slight because I've seen some tremendous year twelve <laughs> artworks. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Got to the me. shading and everything, beautiful. Uh, what happened here? Yeah, that sounds a lot more mature. It's still obviously the same band, and but some of their production choices are a lot more mature and a lot, a lot more pleasant. A lot more pleasant drum sound, I'll say. Well, even though it's kind of dialed back a bit. When you play me the 2011 stuff, it's like um, there's a brand of drums called Brady, 
and they were the big thing to have and they still are they've come back now because brady's out of business and blah 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 but they were made out of australian hardwoods and the thing for people to do in the early 2000s was to grab a brady snare drum and crank the absolute shit out of it and that, i think that's kind of that sound that they get they're getting in the, that earlier uh what was that album we played there before the 1995 one that's right yeah, yeah. So that 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 kind of sound, but I think to my ears, this this recent front end loader is a lot more pleasant production wise. There's no info on as to who produced the latest stuff, right? Apart from the live album in 2008, which was Magoo. But I've got a bit more to say on Magoo later on. But yeah, I I agree. Especially I was going to mention it a bit later, but the vocals on the first probably. Four three albums are unintelligible yeah you can't make out a word they're saying so much so that in about 1994 i think it was 93 maybe the first album had a little in the on the liner notes had a little thing for lyric sheet write to p.o box blah 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 strawberry hills and i wrote away to get a lyric sheet because i had no idea and i still don't to this day and and most front end loader fans have no idea what the lyrics are, and I really want to know because most of the time they're very clever. Didn't you get the didn't get lyric it. sheet? Still waiting, boys. If you're listening, are they on lyrics.com or no, anything? Nothing. And there is a couple on there, but they're wrong. Oh, yeah. see, because I'd have no idea. No. It was only just recently I found out what the lyrics to Tucker's daughter were. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look them up. So Slap I don't my know. knee bone to the ground. Oh, no, not that bit, but just... Me and all mine are going to be yeah, around. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Did you used to think it was me and Molly are going to oh, be no, around? I used to just, I just used to just hum along and like just sing whatever. Man, yeah, no, going to be no, no. No, I knew all of that, but yeah, there was, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hot oh. Sun is a Killer? <laughs> no, no, that one was okay. I just want to know which ones you Me didn't know. Me and all mine are going to be around. Um, Me and all mine are going to be around, Hot right? Hot Sun a Killer, you'll be waiting down the end of my line. Taking, Taking the shade, shade with the cool, cool lemonade, lemonade saying, boy, I want to, what is it, boy, I want to talk to you? Is that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it might be the first verse. Bus oh. man's Mr. Tucker. He's, anyway. Oh, he's a man that, I don't care to defy. I don't care to defy. That's what I could never get. Uh-huh. I never knew that. Well, so, I want yeah, to know. I've got no chance. Yeah, I've got no idea. So, boys, if you listen and send them, please. Okay. Yeah, well, young Ben from 95, if you've got that letter in your pile of unopened mail, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there with it. You, I remember you know, being like, real when, courteous too, like writing it out real nice and being yeah. really polite. Hello, hello. Bo Davis, <laughs> Richard, and, you know, I am Ben from, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like um, that Simpsons episode where Ringo's getting through all of his mail and he finds that one from Marge 40 years later. <laughs> it might be like that. He's just, they got too much mail. Well, I was a bit scared of him because they were rock stars and I wasn't. Well, you've met him, haven't you? Who? Which one did you meet? Didn't you see one I've of them met at them the all. Air- airport? No, like, yeah, that oh, day. you have met them all. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we might as well tell a couple of stories now yeah i met um me and our brother were at the airport in sydney one day and bo was sitting right behind us and i said to simon that's bloody bo campbell simon goes go and say hello to him (laughs) real loud and i went oh fuck off and um anyway i didn't that day because he looked like he didn't want to be approached i am not approachable coxie style because 
Simon, our younger brother, doesn't understand why you can't just walk up to people and say hi to him if you... Well, you can, and he yeah. does, and, and gets away does. with it. Yeah, but he yeah, does, yeah. Too shame job for me. But yeah, one one time we went to see them when I was living in Queensland at a place called the Dog House, which was <laughs> in Broadbeach. Me and my mate Will went, and we are out the side alleyway, just like, I don't know, having a smoke or something, and all four of them came out the side door. And I went, oh, fuck, but I was drunk enough to go and say hello. And they were lovely fellas, just lovely blokes. And they were all drunk too. Yeah, that makes you wonder why they wouldn't be. But trust me, a lot of these blokes aren't. No, true. But I made an absolute... Like if you're listening at home and you're thinking, well, these blokes are musos. Why can't they just go talk to them on a familiar level? But yeah, some blokes, I don't know, they just don't want to be... Disturbed. I get it. They, yeah, I get people it. get sick of drunk drunk punters coming up and, and punishing them. But yeah, you can be you can be civil and dismissive at the same time. But they were really nice that night. But then I proceeded to absolutely destroy myself on the dance floor that night upstairs at the dog doghouse <laughs> for some fucking stupid reason. And I, I hate them to this day for it. The doghouse had these low coffee tables that were bolted. Like, not coffee tables, you know, like low yeah, tables. tables bolted to the fucking carpet, like right on the edge of the dance floor. And I'm getting into front end loader and I pivoted and fucking absolutely, I nearly snapped my leg in half on, on the, like the side of the table. Oh, oh, fuck, it hurt. And I remember Will having to help me down the stairs that night because I couldn't walk. I had this massive lump on the side of my leg, but it was a good gig. Well done, boys. Uh, where were we up to? We're up to neutral evil. Neutral evil. Just listen to what happened here, and I gave it a. I I I think this might be the one that I listened to first. Well, to listen, kind of get into them. Well, the, my only my only um, criticism of this album is there's a couple of songs on here with David, and you might notice that most of the songs I've played so far have had Bo singing. Yeah. But there's a couple of the ones on here that Davis sings that I just don't like, namely You, Me, Shit TV and Never Fucking Home. Right. Sounds like he's breaking up with his girlfriend or something. They're very, they're vitriolic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But let's yeah. have a listen to Probably Should Have Just Left That One Alone. Or Left That One Go. Let That One Go. <laughs> There's a bit of looseness there that's quite nice. Like, I think um, in the earlier stuff that we played, like, it, it, it's like they really they really focused on it being, like, ultra tight. You know, like, and this is back before you could snap things to the grid in your, in your recording software, where they probably, you know, like, they, it sounds like there's a bit of a looseness, you know, like, where they're a lot more comfortable playing with each other and a lot more comfortable just just kind of letting it go 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean there. Do you remember remember in the nineties when the the buzzword was tight? Everything had to be tight. Yeah, well there was bands I suppose around then like Helmet and Yeah. Um Well you know, ultra tight. Yeah, Mark of Kane. Mark yeah, yeah, where that was the thing where you just had to be this metronomic tightness. Well, it's funny you should mention Helmet because in 1997 they supported Radio Birdman in um, Gosford and Coogee and this guy called The Barman, who was a famous reviewer at the time, said while they're tight and intense, it's hard to see why they bother having two guitarists when for the most of the night they play the same thing. I want to like them but I I can't help thinking Helmet do the same thing only better. Now this is offensive to me because I think one of their strengths is that they rarely play the same thing. Right. Bo I was going to ask you about the twin prong guitar attack. No, they they rarely play the same thing. Everything's very complimentary. They they I, I can't understand where this dickhead's coming from. If you're listening, barman, you're wrong. So have you got one in the left channel, one in the right channel, one's the chugger and one's the open chord guy? Yeah, but they don't. They haven't got defined roles like right. sometimes Bo will do some um, twiddly bits and sometimes Davis right um, they're both uh, incredibly good guitar players they don't get the recognition that they should right. especially while singing um, yeah because they both do it while they're singing and they're certainly not devoid of lyrics especially the early songs they're, they're very you know uh, rapid fire lyrically well that's a good point because the Brewster brothers <clears throat> and the young brothers both don't sing no. They're not leads vocalists, whereas he two, these two guys, and we're probably not putting them up on the same... Oh, you might be, but... Oh, I think Putting them on the same good. sort of level as, as those guys, but, but that's a good point, like playing and singing. Well, neither do Angus, neither does Malcolm, neither does Jim, neither does Martin. Yeah, Jim and Martin. But I suppose that that would form your guitar playing, though, is if you... If you are a lyricist or if you're a singer, you would think that your guitar playing would have to complement, you know, you have to think about how your guitar playing is complementing the lyrics and vice versa. Well, there's right? another good point. Ordinarily, you would. Like someone like me would, if I if I knew I had to sing a song and play it at the same time, I would definitely write the guitar part to be yeah. more simple so that I could... Or complimentary. Well, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, but they don't seem to bother. They, like they've got some amazingly... Uh, intricate guitar parts with lots of lyrics and not on the same sort of grid rhythmically. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to bother them at all. But I think they're so well rehearsed and like I said, they used to play every night for years and years. They're so um, seasoned that I don't think it bothers them anymore. Right. But yeah, where were we? Tightness. Yeah. Yeah, I remember everybody used to come out of gigs going, oh, fucking tight, mate. Oh, Oh, man, that was tight. People say that about our band. They did too, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, fucking tight. <laughs> Fuck that tight. You guys are the tightest. <laughs> and I'm not having a go at anyone because it's a huge compliment. Oh, it's nice to be tight. But tight. yeah, I, yeah, I agree. But there's like, a, there's, there's tight and then there's like a looseness within that tightness where you're real comfortable with playing with each other where it's tight. Well, some of the best bands like, ever have been uh, loose as hell, like Black Sabbath and Zeppelin. And, <laughs> yeah, geez. Yeah. Well, Sabbath, a lo- yeah, a nice kind of looseness. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Neutral Evil is a great album. Go out and get it or listen to it on Spotify because it's um it's very, very good. You can't I can't can't find it. It's the only front end loader album I don't have uh physical. physical. Yeah. Oh, copy. Yeah, right. Because I can't find it. 
okay. I think they only pressed like 50 copies or something and gave them to all their mates. Yeah. It's out of stock everywhere. So if anyone got one, let me know. Uh, right. right. Top five. Ooh. Mm, guts of it. Uh, so what do you got at five? Well, it might be another controversial pick, but it's the last of the V8 Interceptors. Uh, right. So from 1997. 1997. Now, this is where we're getting into me remembering some of the albums that you had. Maybe on CD, I would suppose. Definitely. Uh, I haven't well, got I definitely, any. I definitely remember this album, uh, the cover work, cover artwork. Drawn by Pete. Really? Yes. It's very striking, the yeah. black and the red. He's not an Essendon fan, is he? Well, he's from, well, he's from Perth. Perth. But maybe he's from Perth before the West Coast Eagles came in. We'll find that out. He seems to be a rugby league guy, though. Um, They'd have to be rugby league blokes. Oh, definitely. They? Oh, they are good. Newtown so. supporter, I think Davis might be. Oh, maybe I can't Who's remember. He support, so just in New South Wales Cup then? Hmm. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy to me that would be on the hill at Henson Park. Yeah. With a stubby, uh, with a can of VB, uh, KB. KB. Yeah. Or Young Henrys. Oh yeah. These yeah. days it would yeah. be. He's probably a Raiders fan now because apparently they're going to win the comp this year. <coughs> of course. Uh, yeah, so 1997, this was kind of the height of their popularity. Yeah, well, this is an album I remember because I do remember some of the songs off of this. Uh, named after the car that Mel Gibson drives in Mad Max 2. That you can actually see. I think they've got that somewhere at a, uh, I saw it on Facebook. There's a museum out in the middle of the desert. That really? actually has that car, I think. Yeah. Hmm. I might be wrong, probably wrong, but have to be around somewhere there would have been a few of the v8 interceptors you'd think anyway sorry i'm getting off topic um yeah very popular album this was um pretty big at the time because of one song pulse should we have a listen to it yes i remember pulse here we go definitely remember that song and uh let me just talk about drums there for a second there's a book called syncopation for the modern drummer and what you would do is you'd have the jazz ride pattern ding 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 and that's what pete's playing there ding 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 and so you get that going with your right hand and your left foot would be playing on beats two and four so ding 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 three four ding 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 and then you play rhythms against it with your left hand and that was what this whole book was about 
is it have the reading material and it'd be so it sounds like pete's been going through the syncopation book <laughs> what do you think of pete's drumming i love it are you a pete fan yeah and you, know, and you know why because i've met him and because he's an absolutely lovely bloke so say if he was like a say if he was a seven out of ten drummer not that there's anything like any such thing but him being such a nice guy makes him a 9.5 out of 10 drummer, if you know what I mean. Because I know some drummers that are great drummers, like, and you can listen to them, and then I meet them, and they're like, mm. Initials LB? LB. Oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I don't want to get added. No, you don't. But yeah, you'll get added. Some of my favourite drummers are the guys who I... Who are nice dudes? Who are good dudes? And you know that you could have a yarn to them. And well, I think Pete's a, I think Pete's a nine and a half out of ten drummer without being a anyway, nice guy. But yeah, but he could be a nine and a half, and then you meet him, and he's like a wanker, and then that puts him down to a seven. You know what I mean? Because it works opposite. He's an amazing drummer. There's a reason that he's in four hundred bands. Oh, absolutely, and I know why. Because he can play, and because he's not an asshole. Yeah. That's that's the number one rule. For any of you young musos out there, if you want to get into a lot of bands, don't be a fucking idiot. I remember all the times I've seen him, I used to just watch Pete most of the time because he's a very busy player. And I yeah. used to love how how fast he could play and, and all of the all of the little bits and pieces he'd throw in and still like nothing would fall apart. Yeah, so there's nine and this is pretty complex, like some of that earlier stuff like um pretty complex as far as time signatures and whatnots like that's a lot of stuff to remember yeah i have a real hard time remembering parts this um this album was when they started for me anyway when they started getting a little bit more melodic with hooks and that song's the yeah probably the hooks. prime example got hooks everywhere why is it so far down the album <clears throat> well i don't think they planned it to be a single oh okay so they, did they have singles? Well, yeah, they had a lot of singles. Actually, they might have released this first, but it might have just been, you know, something that the... What was this? This would have been Shagpile as well, I think. Um, 97. Yeah, Shagpile distributed through Shock. Yeah, so there was no one really telling them what to do. So 16 they, songs and this is the fourth last song. They were always a singles band in the sense that they put out singles, like physical singles. You could always find their right. CD singles. So you go to Stop and Rock and it would be in the singles Well, not at Stop and Rock. You'd have to go to um, Utopia, Waterfront or Utopia. Yeah. Red, Red Eye? Yeah. Yeah, which I used to regularly. Um, what was the one in Canberra? That big Impact. One? Impact. Yeah, they always had front end line. Yeah, they always had it. That was my first stop every record shop in the 90s. I'd go straight to the Fs and flick through and see what they had. Oh, would you? Yeah. Oh. Actually, our mate Baz yeah. gave me a, uh, there's a, a gig at Cool and Gatter with Front End Loader and the Fireballs. Remember the Fireballs? Oh, that was that Rockabilly. Rockabilly, yeah. Punk, punk of Psychobilly. Yeah, and they were giving away um, uh, split singles at the door and Baz got one somehow and he gave it to me. Thanks, Baz. And I've also got a um, uh, some kind of demo or something that he gave me too. Right. Yeah. Baz is a huge front end loader fan. We should have had him on as a guest appearance. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, this album I put at number five. This has got some great songs on it, but I put it at five just because of the production mainly. Ah. Uh. Magoo 
dropped the ball on this one. Is this a Magoo It's album, muddy. Is it? yeah. And I can't remember it ever being that muddy on my CD, but I haven't listened to it for so long. And because we're the Spotify generation now, maybe it's just badly transferred to Spotify, but... That does happen. Yeah, but it could have just been because like I never had great stereo equipment when in when I I have now, but I don't listen to CDs much on it. Right. Um but maybe maybe it'll sound better on CD, I don't know. But it's not the only reason I put it there. It's just because I think that there's four better albums in it. Yeah. Um but yeah, this had some some fantastic songs. What what have we heard already? Pulse. Pulse. Let's listen to Cowboy X. This is Davis. Vocals are buried, aren't they? Yeah, very Not that much. Not so. much. Like you can't understand what they're singing about anyway. Yeah, you really. Can. So you're walking oh, you in can. cowboy X like you're better than all the rest. And oh, <laughs> guess no, that I you haven't realised just yet that the only hand worth having is a whip hand. Well, there you go. You yeah. should be writing the lyric sheets to <laughs> to to post to 15 year old boys in 1996. But Davis has got a really good voice, <laughs> but he he loves screaming like that. But I love the juxtaposition and then. Uh, and then into Bo's vocals, the whip hand bit, which to me is melodic and hooky. And then uh, they go back to that a bit later. Right. So yeah. am I right in saying that maybe Primus kind of came out and blew everyone's mind around this time? Uh, it's a bit Primus-y. A little bit earlier. Yeah, I suppose it could be construed as that, but it hasn't got all that fancy bass playing. But it's got that snare sound and yeah, all that yeah, sort and of that stuff. Kind of doing, dang, 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 you yeah. know, that kind of bass riff and stuff like that. It's a little primacy for me. I love primus, but but you know what I mean. Um, this has also got... It, it seemed to be a bit of a trend in the first few albums. They'd always have one track that would reference a movie or a TV show or... So Cowboy X was out of... Sesame it was Sesame Street. Street. I used to ask mum to cut my sandwiches in Cowboy yeah, X. Cowboy X. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved Cowboy X. He just used to run around putting X's on everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just like an early vandal. Yeah, I Cowboy X my kids' sandwiches too. Yeah. Uh, Making Lunch, the first track off this is, um, is, as far as I can tell, it's the only thing that I can think it would be, um, a reference to the movie Bad Boy Bubby. Oh. Because I'm making my lunch. <laughs> Because that's that song that's making lunch. Yeah. I remember that song. Making lunch, I'm making lunch. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, very riffy, very 90s, this album. Yeah. But there's a couple of really big melodic songs on here. Um, apart from Pulse, of course. Let's have a listen to You Think That's Bad. A little chastity, a little fornication, 
Another tragedy, another devastation, a little help for me. Spend a life in exile, spend a life condemned. To never recognize the value of a good thing until you reach the end. Was that a hit? No, probably from me listening to it. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, that used to get a fair flogging around the house, that song. That's a great song. Yeah, it is a good song. Real loose snare wires. Do you hear that? No. He's a bouncy drummer, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of in the... He's got a bounce. The Stuart Copeland kind of ah. thing about him. It's yeah. A that... lot of, lot of, he's about my age. He's probably a bit older than me. A oh, lot, yeah. A lot of us. A lot of us didn't get it, get away with uh, not listening to Stuart Copeland. Oh, I did. Ugh, gross. Anyway. Yeah, well, you're not a drummer, though. That's a really melodic, hooky song, and yeah. this album's full of them, actually. Yeah, see, now, if I if I bought this album and I listened to Making Lunch, followed up by Cowboy X, I probably wouldn't get past those first two songs. It's a strange opening, yeah. Yeah, I probably, and I'd be like, mm, and I'd shelve it. But then that song there's terrific. You know what? Then, I've, I've had the same thought about this album. Why would they put Making Lunch and Cowboy X at the start? But I think that they wanted to appease their... Older fans, you know. Oh, I can and imagine like a young being a bunch of young blokes full of full of vigor and wanting to kind of come out, you know, come but, out with some strange sort of, you know, blow people's minds. But they'd probably seen what had happened to Metallica with uh, the Black Album and Load oh. and Reload, and how everyone hated <laughs> Metallica for <laughs> for changing their. Because this is a very transitional album. Like, there's a lot more melodicy. Oh, do you reckon they were thinking that? Oh, probably not. <laughs> but what else can you put it down to? Because, like yeah. you say, that's very alienating. Making lunch, yeah. the first track, even though it's got a lot more plays than um, a lot of the songs on this album, I suppose. Because people, but then the third track, Summer Hits, has got forty-one thousand plays. Yeah. So maybe people do make. Or, or, or you can't tell in the Spotify era, can yeah, you? Because people. Yeah, because. Yeah, and I started getting a little bit political on this album too. There's a song called Four Star Heritage Asshole. Um, there's another song called Mighty Mighty Straight, which is a little bit political as well. Pulses have got by far the most plays, 855,000. I hope they're making a few bucks out of that. And probably my favourite song on this album, we haven't got time to play them all, unfortunately, but um, Time and Inclination was on a... Uh, there's a re-recording of it on a compilation album that's even better than the album version, but it's got a lyric on there. I think I left my sonnies there. Could you have another look, please? Which is my favourite front-end loader lyric. Right. I don't know why. So I can just picture a guy <laughs> ringing up the pub. 
on a Sunday morning. I think I left my sunnies there. God, I've done it. Yeah. I leave my sunnies there. Well, I don't now that they're prescription sunnies. I take very good care of them. But the best bit is the next the next part of it when the barmaid or the barman goes, nah, mate, can you have another look, please? Because he obviously hasn't had a look at all. Hasn't had a look. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Oh, uh, there you go. So that's album number five. That's five. How far? What, what are we time-wise? An hour in. Fuck. We just love talking shit, don't we? That's yeah, all right. I think that's the appeal. People seem to like it. <laughs> number four, Ape Got Fire. Right. The mini album from 2003. Right. Recorded at Troy Horse, which is an institution in, um, I think it's really? in Alexandria. Troy or, Horse. You know Troy Horse? Yeah. I wonder if it's still around. I think they are. Really? Yeah. Jeez. It's a famous hangout of um of the boys. They apparently spend spend most of their time there. I've actually seen them there because my friend Ben, his um uh band, ESN used to re- uh, rehearse there all the time. They are still going. They're they a are, CD yeah. and DVD production place now. Huh. Yeah. But they used to just be all rehearsal rooms. It was a big sort of complex there in um, oh i'm sure was there an elevator going up to yes. it yes yes i've i've rehearsed there in marrickville yes i've rehearsed or petersham there. somewhere no, i knew i knew i knew i knew that and there's a there's a cage you had to get in and yeah. go up yeah right. and there was heaps of storage cages down below as well yes i remember that all ah, right there you go yeah well i think pete even might have worked there at one stage yeah you know he did all their artwork troy horse used to have the best ads in the street press magazines right yeah. yeah, now it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. Right. Anyway, it was recorded there um, with Magoo again. Oh, so they just got a little rehearsal room and what was their studio facilities there as yeah, well? Yeah, there must have been a recording studio. I'd never seen it or knew about it. this is 2003. Yeah, you possibly could bring a mobile rig into a rehearsal room because I know people do that. Hmm. Anyway, this album is fantastic. It's only seven songs, but all of them are fan. They're just great songs from start to finish. Let's just listen to Faster Alone. Stopped it before the best bit. Oh, hang on. Camouflage is wasted. Camouflage is wasted on the vine. Kill as clean as long as you can clear your mind. Camouflage is wasted on the blind. So hooky. Yeah, that's good. That's great. I love that. 
Yeah, that's, well, uh, that's got the pub rock beat. Yeah. That's the Rob Hurst um, Midnight Oil pub rock beat. Yeah, but in the front end loader style. Yeah, yeah. It's that, terrific. It's very distinctively front end loader still. But I yeah. love that guitar sound. Oh, so good. That's their sound except just a little bit more polished. You know the only the only other band who had that kind of sound in around this time was um Kings of the Sun. Ah. Yeah. I love that sound. I'm friends with Clifford Hode. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I think Facebook. we've talked about him before on this show. <laughs> He's quite the character. But yeah, I, um, I don't understand. <laughs> the only other band I reckon that's like the bigger bands that had that kind of guitar sound was the Angels to us, but not to the to the mm, same extent. I don't know. Not quite the Angels sound, is it really? No. But in this context... This might be the Angels on a budget. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, without the without, without the Alberts. Sh- yeah, without the Alberts gloss. Yeah, it's so good though. Um, yeah, that, this is a good sounding. Like if if they did do this as a little, you know, set up in a room and bring your gear in and record it. If, if that's how it was done, then that's the way to do it, isn't it? it? Sounds great. Yeah, for sure. And Magoo was on his game as opposed to the to the V8 Interceptors Well, album. and it might be the thing is they live with these albums and I don't know what, what these guys are like, but anything that I mix or anything that I've got anything to do with, you you do it and you think, okay, that's done. You don't ever listen to it. Yeah. So you're not... So maybe he did actually listen to it and think, hang on a sec, that was a little <clears> bit muddy. Next time round, I'll put some more mids in, some more top end. It's great sounding though. This to me sounds like uh, they had... They had seven songs that they were really happy with and they thought, let's do an album, boys. They went in to record it and they resisted the urge to put three lesser songs on. Yeah. And and it's, I don't know, I think we said at the start, it's got seven songs and they call it a mini album as opposed to an EP, which has got six songs. I think, like, and, but these, the, these days it doesn't really matter what, you don't, you don't have to label anything as anything, do you? It's just a collection of songs. Yeah, whack it out there and see what happens. Yeah, you type in front end loader, and then all their songs, all their singles, or whatever, come up, and you listen to them one after the other. The al- the album era is almost dead, isn't it? Yeah, but I understand why people used to want to have thirteen songs on an album because you had to fill a CD. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could see where the CD was actually written. You could see the lines, and then people bought it and then picked up the CD and gone. Hang on a second, half this <laughs> CD's missing. Because you could see where it's written. Well, I, when I bought this, I remember it was only ten bucks or something. So they definitely sold it as an EP. Oh right. Yeah. But what value? Yeah, it's terrific uh, so far. Let's, let's have a listen to the Royal Eye. too really yeah 
You got a bit of Seed, um, seeped India. Yeah, you got a bit of Phil Phil Linnet about him there, little thin Lizzie-ish ah. vocal wise. Because I, when I listen to some of this stuff, if I'm objectively listening, like you know, if I'm kind of you know taking it apart, I my first thing is like, okay, well, who are their influences? And sometimes you can pick them straight away, and sometimes it's a little bit more hidden. But that's the first time I heard an influence. Oh, I wonder right. if he listened to a lot of Thin Lizzy, well, and he doesn't really know. I think that's one of the great things about him is they don't sound like anybody else at all. But now that you mention that, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the first that I heard it, though, because, again, they're getting more melodic now. 2003, they're growing up a little bit. And oh, very much so. sensibilities are kind of changing, I suppose, and... Yeah, just yeah, well, like maturing. Me, because I would like I would never have liked that song in nineteen ninety three. Oh really? No. Not, but in two thousand fast and hard enough. Exactly. You. Not tight not enough. Not live and loud not enough. Not fucking tight, mate. It wasn't tight. <laughs> yeah, that was that didn't have chunky riffs. Well it still has, yeah, but it's but got, not like the dank 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 chunk chunk yeah. chunk sort no, of No Yeah, there is three distinctive periods. There's the there's the the thrashier uh yeah. Front end loader, which we'll get to soon. Right. Then, yeah, then the like the quirky nineties with yeah. dank, 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 yeah. dank, dank, the primacy yeah. stuff. Yeah, and then the two thousand melodic, uh, you know, not not so much chord strumming, but yeah, yeah. I, think I love right. it. That's what's good about this whole thing that we're doing here is you can hear the progression. Yeah, well, these are all good songs. Go out and get this one, yeah, everybody. Eight God Fire. Eight God Fire and a Heavy Hand. That's, a, <laughs> that's one of my favourites. We haven't got enough time to play. Yeah, though. but that's the thing, though, is you go and you investigate it on your own time. Yeah, and they're all on Spotify. Yeah. And I presume all of the other ones. What's the other ones? Amazon Music. I just signed up for that. I haven't oh, tried it yet. Well, because I've got Prime because I wanted to watch the Reacher show. Oh, uh. I've had Prime for years and I never watch anything on it. Oh, you should watch Reacher. I don't like Reacher. Really? Is that Tom Cruise? No, well, that's where they went wrong, see? Because in the books, Reacher's huge. I know. but then Right, that- oh, you've read the books. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I don't know what they were thinking. I think Tom Cruise, it was a vanity vehicle for him. Well, that's for why himself. I haven't watched it. Fucking Tom Cruise. I do like Tom Cruise though, in the Mission Impossible yarns. But yeah, no, no, the Reacher series on Prime. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> oh, terrific. Hmm. He's huge, the bloke. You should see the lad. He's a specimen. Holy shit. I thought it was Tom Cruise. No, that's the movies. you got to watch the series. Ah. See, the series is on Prime. Oh, I get it. Yeah, terrific. Hmm. Two seasons. <laughs> All right. Oh, gee, Siri just... Sorry, I said seasons, not Siri. Go away, Siri. All right. Where um, are we up to? Number, f- number three. three. Oh, jeez, the bloody pointy end. I'll tell you what. I oh, say you're going to switch them around, no, aren't no, you? No, no, I, I oh. say it every time. It's just hard. Yeah. It's bloody hard. Well, not for me, because I didn't do them. No. But I'm learning. This is, um. let's see, I, I could have put this at number one easy. Right. But you didn't. You put I it didn't. at three. So what's number three? Well, let's listen to one off it first, shall oh, we? Okay.
Oh, yes. Right. That's uh, that's different. I put this on on my posty bike the other day and I was going nuts. Were you? All oh. over the shop, were you? I love this. Song. Th- right. This. Well, I can already tell that if I had done my rankings, this would have been probably down a lot lower than three. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Now, just... It's with the vocals, and so you were saying that, like, early on, they were fairly unintelligible and everything. Oh, you can't understand a word of it. It's almost like they forgot to turn the microphone on, and then they panicked, and they're like, holy shit, the only vocal that we've got is actually coming through the guitar mic. That's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like it's, like, when you're recording, and sometimes you leave another microphone live, and it might be five metres away... And sometimes you can get a weird, cool sort of effect from it. Yeah. But that's almost what it sounds like. They're like, holy shit. They've gone to mix it and they've got all of the tapes and everything. They've gone, hang on a second, there's no fucking... I don't know. It it, It sounds distant. It almost seems like a conscious decision, though, because the first two... or The first album, this EP, and to a lesser extent, Let's Ride, were all really unintelligible and you'd think that after the first album they would have listened and gone oh shit we've got to do something about the vocals yeah right i don't know anyway this um is an ep six songs i, I remember think five. i remember this artwork as well because i home i absolutely wore this, this one man i wore well this because out. you were living in an adolescent fantasy world in I 94 was. weren't you man how old um, were you in 94 20 20 20 yeah yeah, so not quite adolescent, but not far out of it. Um, Definitely living in a fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> I used to try, I, I remember playing along with this like ad nauseum, trying to figure out the riffs and never getting close oh, to it. Oh, did you play along to this? Oh, this doesn't sound like a play along. No, it's I would, not. <laughs> I wouldn't have played along drums to this. Uh, this was when I was like... You know, making a push towards being a rock star, and I thought I've got to figure out how they do this, and I just could never get it right. No, it sounds but tricky to me. This was released in 1994 on Shagpile again, uh, distributed through Shock, and so this was released right after Let's Ride. Right. And it couldn't be any more different. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. right before Let's Ride. Right. Um, and it's just the polar opposite of Let, Let's Ride to me, and I think that it must have just been leftovers from the first album. But to me, the first album would have been untouchable in Australian rock history if they had to put these five songs on it. Is it five or six? Six. Six. They're only short, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just punchy, in your face, um, don't bore us, get to the chorus, get out of there. It's, well, this song No, it's five songs. This song's not even two minutes long. Yeah. Unless Spotify's cutting them off, but... No. I do know a couple of the lyrics in this. It's can't stay long. I should get back there. Be, I should get back before they notice that I'm gone. Can't stay long. Right. Yeah. I Conversational. See, like I think I left my sonny's there. No, but I know what that's about. Oh, do you? That's what I used to do in '94. Disappear for a while. <laughs> Sorry, can't stay long. I've got to get back before they notice that I'm gone. Yeah, and that was your excuse to get out of there. All oh, right. Someone's waiting on me. Uh, let's have another listen to let's listen to ballast.
now I'm convinced that they got the wrong microphones on. It sounds like they're singing way back from it. <laughs> Listen to the start again. Just, just, just. That's one amp playing, but the mic for the other amp's on. Hmm? So, that's... They've got... Mi- so, you've got two amps in a room, right? And you've got one microphone on each amp. That one there sounds like the actual microphone for that amp was from the other amp across the room. Oh, maybe that is a conscious decision. Yeah, or, like I said, they've gone to mix it and they've gone, shit, <laughs> hang on a second, you haven't turned that microphone on. Well, I think it sounds terrific. Well, I don't think it sounds as good It sounds as good as their other stuff, but I'm a 46, well, I'll be 46 in two days. 46-year-old listener. Probably would have been different if I was 20. 17. How old were you then? 17. 94. You, you I was born should have in got right into this, but you were too busy listening to the police. Oh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder if, it was, if I was into my Philadelphia soul. How good is the guitar yeah, sound yeah. in this again, though? Yeah. And, and Pete just throwing everything at it. Yeah, well, Pete's parts ding, are... Ding, 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 little ride things and... Well, it takes a fair amount of balls to actually go into a studio and do execute those parts because oh, they're, yeah. they're pretty tricky. It's complex like, as, as yeah, fuck, and this e- stuff. Even nowadays, like, it'd be hard. Like, even with um, Pro Tools and all of that, being able to do unlimited takes and stuff, it'd take a few balls to actually do that. But this is going to take kind of one or two takes and you got one day in the studio. Like, it's a pretty ballsy move. Kudos, I- Pete. Highly regarded amongst the front-end loader community, this EP. Right. Very much. It's not rare or anything, is it? It was no. easy to get? Oh, well, yeah, you can get it on eBay, I'm pretty sure. Pretty no, it's not one of those ones where the gatekeepers go, oh, you haven't even got an adolescent fantasy world, you're not a proper fan. Oh, uh, could be. I don't know. I don't tend to get, I don't tend to get involved with the, with no, the, you're not the groups. Gate, you're not a gatekeeper. No. I love uh, that term. Let everybody have everything, I That's say. That's it. Well, exactly. Uh, you can get the Train single on eBay for 25 bucks. The Bejesus single, 14 Yeah, There's quite a bit of front and loader stuff on eBay. Oh, okay. Laughing with Knives, fourteen ninety five. There's a bargain. Were they CDs or records? CDs. They never released. Oh, the, the first album was on vinyl. Oh, right. But so they the only... CD. Uh, yeah. Firmly a CD. Oh, very yeah. much. No cassettes. Oh, good. Um, and But the, the vinyl... Uh, debut album I think they only pressed 500 of them so it's quite rare on vinyl right yeah it'd be gatekeeped somehow <laughs> in Germany or somewhere like that probably yeah. all the nerds buying it uh, yeah so this uh, EP number 3 for me just like I say could have been number 1 easy let's have a quick listen to Totalizator
figured out what it is that I like about the later stuff. What? So you can hear the bass actually playing like a bass. Yeah, well, we haven't mentioned well, Richard yet. I was going to say that because in this stuff, it's kind of like the bass is almost the third guitar, like yeah. tone-wise and playing-wise, whereas later on, it's kind of... And they've had the same four members, right? They've never had anyone else. No, never. I think I no think there was one gig where Pete got stranded or something, or couldn't make it, but they have played one gig with another drummer, and how he did it, I'll never know. Yeah, I wonder who it was. It was, ah, uh, shit, I know who it was. One of his mates. It's from another band. Yeah, anyway. It would have been a tough night for that guy. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's what's got me about this earlier stuff is uh, bass isn't playing a real yeah, well, a traditional a, bass kind of role or sound. Well, because it had to play the riff. Yeah. Because it had to be tight. Tight. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and they were tight AF. There's heaps of clips in, on YouTube. Not all of them are good. And most of them are just them playing Pulse on Recovery and oh, yeah. all of those shows. And they were never great interviews. They they used to get a little bit snippy. I think oh. they, yeah, well, I mean, everybody thought they were better than everyone else in the 90s and Front and Loader weren't immune, immune to that. Right. There was a real, I remember the music scene in Sydney in the 90s being really snarky. Yeah. It was real unpleasant at times. There was a lot of bands who thought they were better than everybody else and not like not like perth now everyone's best mates in they? perth aren't they supportive and just wonderful no, well, over the, here i think there was because everyone now has realized that you can't make a living from it yeah, so exactly. they've all everyone's gone oh fuck it we're all in it together let's be nice to each other but back then it was so competitive yeah right to get on the radio to sell cds to get on the festivals yeah yeah, yeah so i understand that anyway uh, Adolescent Fantasy World, 1994, number three for me. Right. Should have been number one now that I think about it. Yeah, anyway. I don't know. I wouldn't have put that at number one from what I've heard. I would have uh, put their latest album. <laughs> yeah, well, There would have been all sorts <clears throat> of fireworks and controversies. and You might be happier a bit later. Okay. Uh, number two. Two. Front End Loader, 1992. Survival Records. Debut album. Debut album. Right. This blew my mind I when I first I remember this started. artwork. Remember this artwork? You remember well. it, do you? Oh yeah. Oh right. Very striking artwork, and it seems like that was their kind of logo, wasn't it? That it, sort of font all the way through. Oh, apart from Let's Ride, I think they've used it most on most albums, have they? It's a terrific font. It's not like when you could just go on. That's Funky White Pete. Yeah, it's not like you could just go on um, Google and download a font. Like he's done that. Oh, he did it for sure. I know that for a fact. Terrific font. Yeah. Gee whiz! Bloody hell. Good artist, Pete. Yeah, terrific. All uh, right, what's the song off this that you love? Well, my favourite front and loader song ever. Oh, right. You know what it is, don't you? Weak as piss. Weak as piss. <laughs> That's my favourite saying. <laughs> let's see if I told one of my kids he was weak as piss. It's only a minute 37, so let's play it all the way through for the kids. All right. Yeah. 
to me, my lack of will is low. History, lack of strength is legendary. I'm world famous. Let's move it! I definitely remember that song. What are, what are the lyrics? Well, I don't know. Something, something. That's I'm what, weak I think this was the song that made me right away. Just because I'm weak as piss, it doesn't something, something like this. I aim to change and always miss. It's not my fault I'm weak as piss. Ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> weak as piss. Uh, any international listeners listening to this, weak as piss is <laughs> it's probably the greatest Australianism of all time, I reckon. It is, by far. Weak as piss. Because <laughs> piss, <being, laughs> piss being urine and also alcohol. It, you know, the, but, the, the, is it etymology? The etymology of this saying has confused me for years. Like, what's the weak part? Is it yeah, the, I don't know. Well, is it that? Because I've had some pretty strong pisses. <laughs> you know, when you haven't had enough water for three days and it comes out. Yeah, well, that's comes what I mean. out thick. <laughs> yeah, or is it the force behind it? Like, yeah, if you're really busting and you blow blow the back out of the trough. Yeah, well, or I don't is know, it like <laughs> my five year old has some pretty like I can hear him from the other end of the house when he has a piss. Because that's not weak. <laughs> no, I know. So I don't, I don't get it, but it it. It, to Australians, it definitely means something. You know, you could say, oh, well, bloody Raiders were weak as piss on the weekend. But it's and not everyone like, knows. That could be titled anything, and it would still be my favourite song just oh, because right, of how yeah. it's put together. It's crazy. What's yeah. Pete doing? It's like a... Yeah. But he's got three snare hits, right? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It just sounds like it's like... No, it's not. It's not. No, it's something real weird. And then the chorus goes... Just because I'm weak as piss, that doesn't mean... Yeah. And then back to the... I don't know how they play it live. It's crazy. What a song. So first, so they've been together in the jam room for a year or something like that. They put an ad out in the trading post or something saying, wanted drummer... And bass player to form rock band influences, blah, 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 no time wasters. So they've gone in. I don't think they're trying to be fancy or anything. They're just like kind of, this is how I write songs and this is how it is, right? They're not trying to do something. They're just like, this is what comes out of them when they write a song. I'm pretty sure, yeah, because yeah. 1993 or two, is this two or three? 92, so you're only just out of the 80s and people are still wearing massive shoulder pads and teased hair and well, stuff. Well, no, Nirvana right? were around by now. Oh, right. But it doesn't this sound anything Nirvana, like no, grunge. Nothing like No, and and grunge. But there was still that hangover. There was a lot of bands in Sydney around this time that were still on the... Or just starting, like, because Helmet were huge around this time. Right. Mark of Cain, they were on the tight train. Yeah, they blew their minds. Yeah, and you can hear some of that in this, but but nothing sounded like front and loader at no, all. Well, and we're still we're only getting out of like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and bands like that were still pretty massive at this time, right? No, no, because they got blown up by Nirvana mm. in '91. Oh right, so th- so that was dead. So no oh, one, yeah. no one. No, God no. Well, you could still go and see Southern Suns at the RSL if you wanted to. Right. But as far as inner city pubs go, 
it was all it was either grunge it was either flannelette shirts and um you know sludgy kind of riffs or it was uh stoner rock oh, was, right. was tumbleweed yeah. yeah or there was this kind of stuff like bordering on some of this stuff is bordering on thrash let's yeah. have a listen to ig <laughs> Do you reckon it's kind of got a yeah, bit of a Metallica? Yeah, it's like if you had some different drums underneath that, it's almost a Megadeth song. Yeah, yeah. Like that guitar tone and everything too is even a little different to what they did a little later, I suppose. Like that's a, that's definitely like that thrashy kind of, not so much Slayer, but almost like Metallica-ish. Early, yeah. Earlier Metallica, like Anthrax. Oh yeah, maybe a bit of that. That's a bit more Anthrax, I think. Yeah, wonder if they're listening to Anthrax. Um, it's good though, impressive guitar work. That's a it's a different style of guitar to what it became, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you don't hear much of that um stuff in their later albums. That's yeah, for that's sure. thrashier, isn't it? Yeah, Te- much Testament. 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 They're <laughs> <laughs> a good band. Testament. No, they weren't. Yeah, Alex Skolnick. <laughs> Was that him? I don't know. Fucking terrible. I reckon, um, and, but there, this album is certainly not devoid of melodies. Um, I mean, "Weak as Piss" has got a huge melodic chorus, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. It does, yeah. But there's other stuff like uh, let's have a listen to "My Side." Come back. contrived at all it's not like they're trying to sound like someone or be part of a no be part of something because like you said if nirvana was kind of blowing up around then it's nothing like that and it's nothing like any of the seattle big four 
it's kind of like it's just like oh well this is how we write and play and that's just how we do it we're not trying to be anybody no not at all yeah so and for a f- first album and i don't think they had any ambitions of being of being triple j darlings or anything at this stage anyway because you don't like you can't get a song called weak as piss on the radio well, back then you couldn't. No, maybe you could now. But they had tongue-in-cheek stuff, like there's one called Really Major Melody, yeah. um, which has got a really major melody for the chorus. Uh, was in major. No, it's in just really major melody. Oh, it's yeah. um, just the, I don't know, they, they kind of had their tongues in their cheeks a little too often maybe for their own good. Um, but there's another song. Oh, All Star Jam was. A, oh, I remember All Star Jam. Yeah, yeah, Satan's playing bass and the drummer came from outer space. Let's have a quick listen to that too. I used to love that one back in the day, but I don't really listen. If I'm going to listen to this album, don't I kind of tune out on that one. It's, it's a bit of a novelty song for me yeah. these days. Got the cowbell and everything. But this is one of those albums that as soon as one song ends, my brain hears the next one. Oh, right. Because yeah. you listen to it all the way through so many times. It all flows into one. And that to me is a sign of a great album. Right. But don't, not your number one, curiously enough. No. Right, we get well, to you don't even one? know what it is. You haven't even deduced it yet because you didn't do your own. Well, yeah, that's right. But I know which one it is. <laughs> do you? Well, of course you do. Should we go on to that? 2002, how can we fail when we're so sincere? Now, when I started doing my list for these, I had no idea that this would be my number one. Ah. None. But it is. Right. And probably for the same reasons that you liked some of the earlier albums, or the later albums, or the ones that I've mentioned already, because it's just song craft. Right. This, yeah. This album is chock-a-block <clears throat> full of just fantastic songs. And then that when it's all said and done, that's what you come back to, is songwriting. Yeah. It craft. Yeah, craft, exactly. Song well, craft. Cra- well-crafted songs. And that's we'll all I've got on, on my notes. I haven't even written anything for it. Just wrote songcraft. He just wrote songcraft. I'm just looking at it now, and it's like a pretty unpretentious uh, front album cover. It's red, picture of the boys in a circle. Yeah. And by this stage, they hadn't given up. Have they trimmed the fat? No, not necessarily. They just matured by 2002, do you think? Well, by this stage, you've got to wonder whether they had given up the dream. Right, because I think they all had they all had kids and families and jobs by now. Right, the nineties had passed them by, and they'd had one song on the radio in Pulse. They'd had a little bit of fame. They were what's their um, they've got a famous saying. What is it? 
they describe themselves as uh, Australia's least popular, relatively well-known band. Right. That's their catch cry. So they dawned on them by then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's they're self-deprecating true. these days to the like, kind of like um, the foes are, you know, like kind of run themselves down and their stage banter often refers to their lack of success and things like that. But and they, but they still have you know a pretty strong following from fucking nineties yeah. kids like me or eighties kids like me. Well, we're doing a podcast about them. Yeah, and, and that's many bands a can say they've got a podcast <laughs> done about them by two blokes in Perth. <laughs> well, we we've inspired one of our loyal listeners. Um, well, yes, to to do his own Foves podcast, which I can't wait till that comes. Well, out. no, it's today. Is it today? The first of January. I'm pretty sure he said was when it was going to air. So we'll 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 put a um, link in the show notes, eh? I've never linked anything in our show notes, but we'll find out what it is and maybe for the next episode we'll let everyone know so they can go give that a follow too. Yeah. And a listen. Let's have a listen to We Don't Understand You, the first song from How Can We Fail When We're So Sincere. Right, I'm looking forward to this because I don't think I know this album. songwriting dare i say oh yeah definitely and you notice the transition from the earlier stuff to now Bo started taking over right as far as vocals like i said before i don't know if he sings the ones he wrote or whether it's all collaborative or whatever but you definitely notice a, a stronger presence well someone's doing that high harmony and i think maybe they came to the realization that that was a better way of doing it definitely yeah but, and davis is a great harmony singer yeah and he's got the he's got the high screechier voice yeah yeah um, which lends itself to being a better harmony i haven't voice. mentioned yet but by this stage they were all i mean you you said that pete was in regurgitator and the hard-ons sometimes in all three bands at once for a brief period, I think. What they do a show and he'd do an eight-hour show. Oh, no, no. Like, he was in all three bands at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah, yeah. had to juggle commitments. But, um, Bo, I know, was in a band called Dead Marines with a guy called Bernie Hayes, who I love, who whose brother Stevie Plunder was in the Whitlams. Ah, yeah. right, who died. Yeah, um, but they were, I've got one of their albums. It was more of an acoustic thing. And just nice songs and stuff. But he was in another band as well. And I think Richard had another band at this point. So they were all branching off doing their own things and getting back together as front end loader, which I'm, I think is pretty much the way they operate to this day. Like just, you know, get a bunch of songs together and and um, go in and record them. Well, and back in the 90s, bands were quite 
possessive as well, weren't they? It was like you're in this band and you're not in any other band. You're not doing anything else. Yeah. That's part of that aggression probably and that that competitiveness or whatever. It was like, well, you know, you didn't want to see one of your members going out and doing another band that might be doing better than your band and whatnot. Yeah. So they'd come to the realisation by now that they could go out and do that other stuff. Yeah, well, it's much different now. Everybody's in everything. Especially these boys. <laughs> Are they? Yeah, well, I think I never, so. It's not like you see John Farnham's fi- final farewell tour and Bowden's playing guitar. No, but they, you know, I think I think they play down the local pub and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm not, oh, I'm right. not 100%. Are they still in the area? They go down to Lazy, oh, yeah. Lazy Bones down at New New Newtown and... Have a, have a play. Died in the wool. Died in the wool. Sydney boys. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think any of them ever moved anywhere else. Well, hopefully they bought their houses in yeah. Newtown and now they're sitting on a fortune. I was thinking that today whether they were, but they wouldn't have had much money when they were. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, like you said, they're all working and everything. But Davis likes to play with a pen in his top pocket these days. Oh, I don't know if that's think. a nod to his. Car. I don't know what he does. I know he used to work at the. Um, Used to see him working behind the bar at the Sandringham, I think, or the what's the one across from the uni? Oh, uh, yeah. the Lansdowne. Lansdowne. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I hope, yeah, I hope like you. I hope they're all comfortable and doing well. Let's have a listen to Little Aussie Bleeder. the first acoustic guitar I've heard from them. Mm. What do you call that beat? It's kind of like a Latin-y thing, but it's not. It's white boy Latin. Gringo. Gringo Latin, they ah, call it. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's not. I remember not liking that song at all when I first heard it. I thought, what are they doing? But yeah. I love There's a I great melody it. underneath it. Really nice. That's like Pete said, can I just take these congas off the floor for the weekend and go yeah. on and have a little rap on them. Have <laughs> do you a know, little tap. Do you know who the little Aussie bleeder is? Yeah, Norman Gunston. Yeah, I don't think it's about him. No, I was expecting it to be a real, you know, obvious Norman Gunston. No, well, I think it's got like a bit of a, there's a bit of a sentimental sort of tone behind it, but I don't know who it's about or what it's about, but it's a very good song. I love it. 
Uh, hatchet job is the next one. That's a really heavy. Another hatchet job. Big. There's there's plenty of big fat guitars in this, or big riffs and stuff like on the first couple of albums. But my favourite song, I think, depending on the day, it, it's my favourite favourite. Even more so than Weak as Piss. But read your mind. Let's have a listen to this. Patience is a virtue, gambling is a sin Cause everyone's a winner but not everybody wins Nobody wins Nobody ever wins You'll get the power and the glory You'll get a broken heart You'll be up there in the gutter You'll be down among the stars You'll get your turn That's my favourite one so far off this album. That's such a great song. That's as good a song as yeah, that's as anything we've heard on um, Oz Rock Rated, I reckon. A great singer. Yeah, isn't he? Very unique voice. Yeah, left it right. It, it almost sounds like he could have a job in radio or something, like as a sportscaster or something. He's got that kind of, you know, maybe you could read my mind. <laughs> like that kind of, it's not put on or anything, but it's perfect for that. Has he ever done any radio? No, but he's very good. There's a couple of podcasts with him and there's a, a couple of YouTube things with just him and a guitar and he's very well-spoken and very, like, super intelligent. Mm. Um, there's a podcast called... Oh, the, the keyboard player from Regurgitator. I can't remember her name. I should bloody... We should put it in the show notes because it's a really good podcast. She just interviews... Sort of fringe Australian musicians. Oh, like, is she like, the one that did Goxie just recently? No, I don't think so. What's oh, her name? I can't remember her name. I saw Aaron Gox getting interviewed by a, a lady. and um, Oh, I thought he was interviewing her. Oh, he was in, in, yeah, interviewing yeah. her. Hasn't Goxie got his own? Oh, I don't know. It was... <laughs> it, I know you can't see, but we're in a pretty... It's a pretty nice studio, I will say. This is a pretty nice setup that we got here. Goxie's one... <laughs> He's sitting at his kitchen table, oh my God, like holding a couple of SM57s and I have to have a listen to it, but... It's good though. Yeah, good oh, no, that's that's what's great about the whole podcasting movement is anyone can get into it. There's no gatekeeping involved, which is good. Are you trying to find it there or... Yeah, I can't find yeah, it. Yeah. I, re I really need to plug her because it's a really good podcast. She's very good. She interviews all of the... Well, she was in Regurgitator, so she does Quan and... um. Um, uh, what's his name, buddy Ben Eli, and all those guys, and the guys from the Drones, and all those sort of fringe Australian bands that that I love. She's got a strange name. She's German, or she's German heritage. Saya, Saya, uh, Saya Vogel, Saya Vogel, and her podcast name is Hearsay, H E A H E A R S E J. Yeah, have a listen to that. All oh, right, I'm just seeing here. So she's interviewed Kevin Mitchell, 
Sarah Blasco. Yeah, all those Megan, sort of oh, Megan Washington. Megan Washington's my favourite. Oh, there you go. Megan. Go and have a listen. To, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, she's go really good. to the Megan Washington one because I love Megan Washington. She's got a very good style. And yeah, Bo did one with, with her. And he talks about all the industry turmoil and all that sort of stuff that they got themselves into. Yeah, right. Okay, mm. I'm going to listen to that one. Beautiful. So there you go. Right, Number so one, how go. can we That's... fail? Right. So there you go. For anyone who's not acquainted with uh, Front End Loader, get out and dig in. I'm mm. going to. I'm going to start with their last album first. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, you should definitely. And do then that. I'm going to go to How Can We Fail When We Are So Sincere and then their debut album. And then. You won't like the debut. <laughs> you, no, well, you might do. There's, and it's funny how since we've been doing this, I've been going back and revisiting some of the, not not the podcast, but just going back and revisiting, like, say, Midnight Oil. Oh, yeah. And I would have a completely different list. I'd have a completely different Oh, record. really? Maybe we'll do yeah. that one day. We'll do a redux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let us know what you think about this little, this uh, scenario that we got here where Ben's the, and it might happen where I'm the, yeah. I'm the guy with the rankings. Maybe when we do Southern Sons. Yeah. <laughs> or Little Riverbend. <laughs> yeah, LRB. Or uh, Pyramid. Air Supply. Pyramid, the fusion band that came out in the 1970s. <laughs> Oh, Christ. Making Ben's skin crawl. No, I'd be in. I'd be in. Would you? Yeah, I'd be if happy If we to... did Southern Sons, you'd be in. Oh, fuck. They only had two albums. I heard one of their songs the other day. It came on the radio at work and everyone was singing along. Yeah, well. So... And I like Jack. Yeah. He's... he's a nice guy. I spoke to him. I said g'day to him once and he said g'day back. Yeah. That's all you need to do. It's cool. Cool. <laughs> no, maybe not them, but... But then again, I don't know any COG albums or anything, so I don't know. No, that's the thing. You got gotta... WA. How many <clears throat> WA bands have got like six or seven albums? It's probably heaps. Probably. That band Weirin's almost got three or four albums. Yeah, we could do ourselves. <laughs> we do ourselves. That wasn't second album blues. In my opinion, the second album's <laughs> the best, but that's the one I played on. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Who could we do? Don Mariani or The Stems or no, something? No, they didn't have many. No. We're playing with them soon. Yeah, I can't wait. Who else could we do? Voyager. Well, those got the all of the big boys like Birds of Tokyo got about fifteen albums. Eskimo Joe's got twenty six. Eskimo Joe got a few albums, haven't they? Gyroscope's got five, haven't they? Yeah. What's the other band? Carnival. Yeah, they got three or four. I think. Mm. Maybe we could go down that road. Probably not. Go. We'll get through a few others first. Yeah, we've got another one coming up. Yeah, but write in, let us know how you th- what you think about this, and we're going to find out what the name of that Fives podcast is, and we'll all help each other out, two two thousand and twenty style. I think it's good, you know, community. When I'm listening back to these, to the Ozrock Rated, I love it when the music comes on. Oh, do you? Yeah, I don't know if anyone else does, but I I love hearing the context and the music, and I don't think we played as much music before. This might work better because yeah. you get to hear more tracks. Yeah, that's it. Oh, no, it looks like it's about... I'm just looking here with my editing eyes, and that looks like about the same amount of songs. Really? I call them songs. Tracks. You're on, we're on radio now, mate. you got to uh, call them tracks. Yeah. I'll, Especially when you're talking about Triple J era. That's all I remember about those Triple J assholes I'll, was saying, no, oh, this is a new track. No, I'll die on that hill. Oh, I ain't call them tracks ever. Tracks. Songs. Cuts. Here's a new <laughs> cut from <laughs> oh, Front End Loader. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with song? 
Nothing. Well, you can't get on Triple J unless you say track. Well, maybe Seriously, that's I remember that. Loader went wrong. They must have got told to say that, or it was just one of those things that caught on because they always used to say track all the time. Oh, Fucking tracks. Jesus. Shut up, Kingsmill. Yeah. <laughs> we leave it at that. <laughs> He's yeah. gone now. Yeah, well, good riddance. They should get Bowden out of front end loader. Got a terrific voice for radio. He could be the new youth coordinator at what? He's probably 56 years old, is he? No. How old are they? He'd only be... be 50. 50 odd? Well, 93. 56 odd? They probably (laughs) wouldn't even... Wouldn't be surprised if they were my age. There you go. Maybe a little bit older. Pushing 50. (sighs) Righto. Righto. Thanks for listening again, everybody. Like, subscribe, rate. Fucking yeah, right, right at right into us. We love it. We love it when we get an email, and I'll message Ben. And I'll say, "Did you reply to that <laughs> bloke?" And he always go, "What bloke?" And oh no, he's read it. If we're tardy <laughs> in replying, then don't add us. We just <laughs> oh, we just hope. I'm usually pretty good, but no, yeah, sometimes no, they don't come good. up. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think if you read them, then they don't alert me. Oh, right. So it depends who gets in first. Yeah, we'll get onto that. And if you get Sam we'll do first, better. then good luck. We'll do better. Yeah. Do better in 0424. Righto. See, See you ya. next time.